I just kind of put this out there. Uh, this this song is called Noctuary by the artist Bonobo. And I, um, <laughs> I anytime anything by Bonobo pops up on my playlist or anything like that, I think about John Ward. Because John Ward once insulted the Krasenstein brothers as calling them Bonobo uh, monkeys. <laughs> so uh, not only do I like their uh, the, the music, I get to think of some classic John Ward. Hope he's doing well. I know he is. And um, hopefully we'll have him in the studio again sometime soon to reconnect in front of you all with you all. All right. It is Wednesday night. It's hump day. Pretty cold. It's a good night for humping. And I, uh, well, it's cold over here. We are in the 30s. With a nice gust of wind, it probably feels like something colder. But I hope that you're warm wherever you are and whatever you're doing, uh, whenever you're listening, too. This could be live, it could be the next day, the next year. But uh, it's November 29th, 2023. Brendan Dilly is on the show with us tonight. It's been a few years. It's actually been just a little over three years because he was on with us on uh, election night 2020. And um, this is the first time back on, quite frankly. Well, we'll get around to Brendan in a little bit because he'll be on with us in about 10 to 15 minutes. Uh, Please go and check out all of our wonderful sponsors on the affiliates page. Chief among them, Blue Monster Prep. Everybody needs emergency food, drinking water, gas masks, Solar power generators, all that stuff. It is Christmas time. So get somebody that you love started on their preparedness journey or just, you know, further yourself along on your own journey. And that's all I have for you to now, right now. Everything else, it's pretty evident. You got the chocolates. You've got the, the uh, quite frankly, Elevation Blend coffee that's been flying off the, uh, the shelves. It's going to be good. And the rest of the week is going to be just as well. All right, so let's get into our grab bag real quick. There's a couple of things I think would be uh, interesting to start off with. Let me just get myself up over here. Good. Very nice. All right. First one up is on the uh, the Daily Mail. Now, I'm going to be saving this one. We're not going to go into too deep. Then again, we don't have that much time. Oh, that's a black screen. Yes. Well, here we are. I'm going to save this one, especially for when Timothy Alberino comes on to talk about his excursions, looking for the answers to all of the alien face peeler stories that have been coming out of Peru, the jungles of Peru. He'll be on with us on the 13th. And I have to bring this up here, too. The CIA's secret office has conducted UFO retrieval missions on at least nine crash sites around the world. Whistleblowers reveal the Office of Global Access, the OGA, a wing of the CIA, you see, it needs many wings, that monster, has played in the Office of Global Access. My gosh. Good God. I'm sure that, 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 that clause is buried somewhere in Article 1 of the Constitution. The Office of Global Access. A wing of the CIA has played a central role in collecting alien spacecraft since 2003. Sources tell the Daily Mail. At least nine non-human craft have been recovered by the U.S. government, some wrecked from a crash, and two completely intact. So put that in your pipe and smoke it up. We'll get back to that in a little bit when we have an appropriate guest on. 
I'm, I'm usually Dilly's source for all things strange, which I think is actually the, the more real things on the planet. The strange is probably the more real things, but um, maybe tonight we'll get into some strange. Uh, speaking of non-human, the real question is how much of our news is computer-generated already? As the word breaks that Sports Illustrated has been publishing articles written by uh, AI that have been assuming completely fake, made-up identities. This is from Futurism.com. Sports Illustrated published articles by fake AI-generated writers. We asked them about it, and they deleted everything. There was nothing in Drew Ortiz's author biography at Sports, Il Sports Illustrated to suggest that he was anything other than human. Here's a quote. Drew has spent much of his life outdoors and is, is excited to guide you through his never-ending list of best products to keep you from falling. To the perils of nature, it read. Nowadays, there is rarely a weekend that goes by where Drew isn't out camping, hiking, or just back on his partner's or partner, his parents' farm. His partner's farm. Oh, probably that too. The only problem, of course, is that Drew Ortiz doesn't exist. He has no social media presence, no publishing history, and even more strangely, his profile photo on Sports Illustrated is for sale on a website that sells AI-generated headshots. I just don't know why they didn't just generate a new face. Why they have to go buy one? This shit is so easy at this point. So he was on a website that sells AI-generated headshots where he's described as a neutral white young male with short brown hair and blue eyes. Isn't that, uh, isn't that the crux of it? Anyhow, there he is. There's Drew Ortiz, avid outdoorsman. Now, there's, this is a really interesting article. Uh, it's nothing groundbreaking. It's crazy that the, um, that the big places have already been caught using this. When we were talking about 20, it was, in, it was in 2020, I think. 2020 or 2021, when we started piecing together the dozens of articles that USA Today, it had USA Today's, uh, you know, watermarks all over it and its logos all over it. And it was the same article about rising gun violence and all that stuff. And the only thing that was changing from article to article where they were all published is that there was little changes that kind of customized the article for that specific region it was the same exact article just names places uh but a lot of the gun control or gun violence figures were all the same and um and of course of course i cannot believe that that is in any way shape or form human and what does it do well it keeps a lot of relevant things at the top of the uh, of the search engines Especially as we know how cyclical all the news is, eventually somebody's going to be talking about guns again in this crazy uh, in this crazy news cycle, and then you go looking. Somebody goes looking for it, and uh, and boom, there is a, a a breathlessly written, or should I say, duplicated article that has to do with your hometown or your county or something like that. So as far as automation goes in AI, it is uh, this is all part of dead internet theory. And I think it rolls in perfectly. It might be its own offshoot branch of dead internet. It's uh, It really is just a, um, it's scary. But I guess in one way, shape or form, it's a good thing that robots are doing 
many of the jobs that we humans used to do because we need more time to explore our political sexual fetishes. And I gotta say, again, here's a disclaimer for tonight. Not only just a disclaimer about this article, which we have to get into a little bit deeper either tonight, I can ask Dilly for comment. This is something I know Matt would like too on a Friday or something. But uh, also disclaimer for all the kiddies out there, uh, just there might be some F-bombs tonight. I'm just saying, May. I know a lot of you like watching as families, so this is Uncle Frank telling you, be careful out there. Be careful. Um, Washington Post, this is from Mediaite, Washington Post drops eye-popping report on the MAGA doms, that's the uh, dominatrix persuasion, and the libtard subs, those are the people who are submissive and they like to be subdued that are infiltrating kink communities that's right ladies and gentlemen so if you are into whips and chains you might have i don't know how i don't know how this was uncovered but it's the washington post what the hell they're playing they're usually playing with themselves anyhow um they have uh they have been digging into i guess these circles these kink bdsm circles and apparently there is a contingent of political role-playing that is getting a little bit more pronounced. How pronounced? Washington Post published an eye a popping report on the rise of political humiliation. Well, I mean, that's just the way that, that politics works. It's all one big humiliation ritual. Um, I mean, what the hell is that? I, we haven't been even talking about that George Santos guy from over here in New York. He's about to get expelled from... I mean, that, that has been... What the hell has that... <laughs> Has that even been? I don't know. It's all humiliation, man. The rise of political humiliation. Tuesday, interviewing a the libtard subs who fantasize about being dominated by MAGA doms and vice versa. Journalist Haley Lieberman opened her article with a transcript from a political humiliation video, which featured a dominatrix trying to persuade beta liberals to vote Republican for Daddy Trump. The dominatrix, who voted for former President Donald Trump twice, but now supports Ron DeSantis. Oh, we're going to have to wait. Hold on. We're going to have to say this for, for Dilly. I'm going to stop this right now. We'll be right back. Uh, share the show. Give it a like, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, especially in the hereafter. Share the full show with everybody you have. Remember, at the 8 o'clock hour, uh, right at the top of the hour, we're going to be bouncing off to the Foxhole link in the description of the episode below. Or you can also just jump over to quitefrankly.tv. It's all powered by the same wonderful people at Pilled.net and Foxhole. So um, just putting that out there. Let's get this one started, though, because I know it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll be right back, and I'll see you on the other side. Hey there. Are you having a bad day? That's all right. Just remember, fucking get over it. Stop being weird. One ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. 
It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back! Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! Okay, that's right, 710, 710, and our guest is going to be with us all soon, but how are you guys and gals feeling tonight? I'm feeling all right, I'm feeling just fine, I was, um, there was something I wanted to bring up with you all uh, before, but I'm just forgetting it now, I have a lot of notes here I can go through, who the hell knows? It's all so confusing, isn't it? It really is. And everything's always in flux. And just when you got yourself set. The one thing I can't wait to talk to Dilly about tonight is uh, a little bit more of his stoicism. Something that he wrote in 2015 that, um, I, of course, I never I never knew. I didn't know Dilly back in 2015. But it's uh, it's really interesting stuff because I you don't really take... I can see it. Uh, Dilly's a lot more of an aggressive guy when he's out there working, but the uh, the stoicism I can see coming through a little bit more as far as the the dispassionate the dispassionate way that one can execute a plan in life and and not really uh, let too much criticism or anything else or opinion, whether it be positive or negative, from the outside affect a person. And I think that's the one thing that a lot of us have to talk about these days. It's how things on the outside really affect people, affect ourselves in the way that we are um, we're interacting with the, the outside world and how we let it in. Uh, it, there's a lot on the outside of our four walls that we spend most of our time in that wants to get in and take control, take the steering wheel, and be able to take you to a place that you may not want to go, but someone else wants to take you, take you there. How do you wrestle that power back, or how do you not allow that power to be taken in the first place? That's a big part of uh, where we're heading as a civilization. People's power, their will, is being just bent and twisted into pretzels and sometimes even broken. That's right. Well, anyway, let's get around to our guest tonight. It has been a while, as you know, since he's been on the show, and I expect a wide variety of feedback after tonight. Uh, he's an author, a political strategist. He loves to stir the pot. His name is Brendan Dilly. Brendan, how you feeling, man? What up, Frank? How you doing, brother? Dude, I'm all right. I'm all right. I see that you're letting the beard come in for winter. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'm, I, I was told that uh, facial hair for men is like makeup for women. So <laughs> after, after a while, I guess. <laughs> Learning to apply it, bro. <laughs> after a while, I see a lot of people in uh, in in, in uh, media use facial hair to cover things up. I always make fun of Chuck Todd for yes. uh, for growing his his uh, facial hair out to make 
make it seem like he actually has a chin. And um, but you know the, the rest of us, it's just a seasonal thing, and that's all. Hey, yeah, I just decided that what the hell, and you know what, you know how it is, Frank. You, you you know your wife says she likes something, and you're like, well, I guess that's Dan. Yep. So <laughs> I, I guess I got to do it ten times more now. That's but, right. You know it's all good, especially this time of year. This is not your first winter on the East Coast, though, right? No. This okay. is my second one. I, I did uh, last year was our first one out here. And I've learned something, Frank. As you know, I left Arizona. I'm now in the mountains in North Georgia. And I I despise winter. Um, I can't wait to move. I, uh, I'm i eyeballing Miami. I absolutely love South Florida. And uh, I hope to never experience another winter as long as I live. Wow. So <laughs> you're, all, you're already ready to skip on down yeah. the coast. Yeah, I'm done, dude. I, I, I can't do it. Uh, Georgia has terrible food and terrible winter, so I'm out. I'm, wow. I'm done. That's it. Jesus, here I am thinking. You know what? Then again, I um I understand. I can definitely see that being the case. I remember one year. It was January of 2008. I I decided I want to use my vacation days early that year. I was working. I was selling advertising for a local uh, a local radio uh, station around here for a couple of months after college, and and I said, you know what? I'm going to take a uh, half a week off or so, and I'm going to go down to Myrtle Beach in in January because I said, oh, well, you know, it probably won't be very very warm, but at least it won't be up here yeah, as cold as it, it is in New York. I tell you, Dilly, I was in South Carolina, so I was sitting right on top of where you are right now, and it was colder than New York. I said, son yeah. of a bitch. Yeah, I'm in the mountains, dude, and it's like we don't really get snow where I'm at, like exactly where I'm at, but, dude, it is wet and it's gray all the time. Mm. And I, I got sunshine today, which was nice. I went out for a walk, but, dude, I can't do it. I'm a, I'm a sunshine guy. I was actually born in Alaska, bro. Really? But I grew up in California. Yeah, I was a born in Alaska. My family's all from there. I grew up in California, lived the last, you know, uh, really 14 years off and on in Arizona, and uh, and yeah, no, South Florida is my more my speed, dude. I, I spent a week down there um, over the summer in Miami and, with the family on vacation. And I'm like, yep, this is a future residence for the Dillies. We'll see. I well, yeah, well, I mean, that's uh, there's a lot going on in Florida these days, that's for sure. And uh, I'm sure Ron DeSantis is going to love you living on his back door. Oh yeah, <laughs> you want to get close? Keep your friends close, right? Uh, Absolutely, dude. I don't care. You know what? I'm not gonna let DeSantis take Florida from me. All right, <laughs> it wasn't his to begin with. I'm not going to let him take it. You know, you certainly had a diff- uh, an interesting Thanksgiving. I saw uh, it was very hard to miss you and Randy hanging out with President Trump in an executive box at the <laughs> yeah. South Carolina game. How the how how the hell was that experience? Uh, it was awesome. It was amazing. Uh, he's so funny, and uh, and it's one of those things, Frank, where like you get in there and then and and it's a small box bro it was not a big one okay so we're in there and it's it's tight quarters in there and uh and there's like the governor of south carolina is in there i believe his wife was in there um lindsey graham was in there dude like lindsey graham was in there for a moment and then there's like a couple other people that i didn't really recognize i probably should but i didn't and and then obviously president trump and his team and it's 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 a very tight quarters and uh and we got to spend time with him for a few minutes. We got to hang out. And then, you know, before he left, he, he sees me again, you know, like after we had hung out with him for a few minutes and talked to him and he like beelines it for me. Cause he was like, you got me, right. You got me. Cause you know, basically what happened, Frank was when we we're standing there talking to him, uh, he was really pissed off about, uh, he was like, these people are trying to say that I'm, I got booed coming into the building. And Rihanna was like, it's absolutely absurd. I got the video. 
Clemson was walking on the field at the time that he was pulling up. So all they did was take the narrative when when the, the arena is booing Clemson and basically said, oh, it's Trump getting booed, which was ridiculous. We have footage of it, right? And, and that was all happening it, in real time. So he in real time, he was already seeing the reaction, what the media was spinning. Yes. Because that was all yes. happening instantly. Yes. So <laughs> Wow. So immediately yeah. Rihanna goes, oh, I've got the video footage uh, disputing that that ridiculous narrative. And so we're talking to him about it. He goes, these people, all they got, they, all they can do is lie. This is all they do. He's like, uh, and he's talking to us about how when he walked into Madison Square Garden with, with Dana White and the crowd went crazy and he's describing that. And so it was kind of cool, Frank, because I have to look him in the eye. I'm like, look, we got you back. I said, we're going to straighten this out. You watch. By the end of the night, nobody's going to believe this ridiculousness. We're going to straighten, we'll, we'll fix the, we're going to fix this narrative. Uh, and we're going to show them how much uh, South Carolina loves you. You have my word. And Rana said, we're going to fix it, Mr. You know, Mr. President. And I said, the Dilly meme team's all over this. You'll see. And what I didn't know, Frank, is when I made that statement, I, I was saying it as a declaration, but I didn't actually know it was going to happen. And it did. Rihanna and I both took videos that night from the box. So, like, this conversation happens and like 20 minutes later, we're the ones who took the footage that was definitively proving he was being cheered, like insane cheers in the stadium. And the two videos combined have somewhere around 20 million views uh, with if you include all the embeds and everywhere it went. And then he posted Rihanna's video on True Social, which I'm actually in that video, which was kind of cool. So I saw that um, it was nice to get like. It was weird, bro. I got to tell you, like to make a promise to President Trump, like because he makes promises to us all the time. Right. So I got to make a promise to him and then deliver on the damn thing within like a half an hour. And I was like, that was pretty that was pretty awesome. That was, um, a, But that was the first time I I don't know why I thought that you you might have already been in the same room and talked to him and gotten to know. Him. That was the first time you actually had one on one time with him and he acknowledged he like knows you now. Well, he the first time I met him was in Georgia. And we took our picture with them and he acknowledged us at that point. He was like, Hey, I love your work. And he kind of already knew who we were. This was probably the first time I got to like hang with him in a much more informal environment mm. where we're like chopping it up and making jokes. And, and I'm like, you know, and we only got to spend probably, you know, 10 minutes with him. But what happened was after that, so we're in this box. All right. So yeah, I got to maybe back up a little bit. When we're waiting to get in there, dude, it's it's not there's no other like influencers. OK, it's there's a bunch of South Carolina uh, representatives in the hallway waiting to go in and take pictures with him. OK, the attorney general's there of South Carolina. The Treasury secretary is there and like four congressmen or whatever. Right. Um, state state uh, senators or whatever. And then Lindsey Graham was sneaking in and out, too. And then the governor is in there. Hmm. But there's nobody else like me, right? Like, there's nobody else that's, like, new media or, I don't know, whatever you call me. I don't know what the hell I am. But whatever whatever I am, there's no one else like me, okay? So it's just a bunch of stiffs. And they were giving us the eyeball. They were, they were like, southern nice, but they were snotty as fuck in the hallway. They were looking at us like, like, who is this guy? Yeah. Uh, who are you? I'm like, oh, I'm Brendan Dilly. I do the Dilly show. And I said, you probably know me by the Dilly meme team. They're like, why does that sound familiar? I'm like... Pretty much all the videos that President Trump posts on his Truth Social are are usually ours, and they're like, "Oh, okay," and they kind of like poo pooed it. What was funny though, Frank, is all these uh, political jerk offs in the hallway. They're all waiting to get in, and and they were supposed to go in early in the first quarter, but it got delayed. 
um, because uh, Secret Service was like they were they weren't happy with the arrangement. President Trump wanted to move seats because he didn't have a good view of the field. Like he's just like I'm moving over here. They're like oh they're it's having to they're having to adjust right. So finally, you know, people are there's like probably 12 people in this little hallway. And I'm on, on the wall because Secret Service is getting irritated. The hall's getting blocked. And this is to go up to the box where President Trump is. And, man, I tell you what, they were trying to big time and do their stuff. And uh, they come out, and they're like, uh, the Dillies are uh, first, please. And these people, like, oh. shoot their – I mean, you could have heard a pin drop, bro. They looked, and they're like, this guy? These damn, and I'm like, excuse me. Damn carpetbaggers. Yeah. And I'm like, excuse us. Now, the funny thing about it was when we went in, we weren't coming back out. Everyone else is going in for their, they got slotted photographs. I wasn't there for a photograph. I mean, I got photographs, but I was there because I was like, hey, I want to hang out with you guys when you're at the football game. And they were like, like, this is how it all started, Frank. I actually text messaged uh, one of my contacts while I was live on the air last week on uh, Tuesday. And I said, hey, I'm going to throw a Hail Mary right here on the show. And they're like, and you know, my audience is kind of like, well, what do you mean? And I'm like, I'm asking if I can hang out with President Trump at the football game. And I just fear what the hell. I, I, you know, all you can do is say no. And uh, usually, my guy is like the the his whatever he says goes right. But this is the first time he goes, let me run it up the ladder, which I know what that means. Let me ask President Trump because there's only one guy above him. So he comes back. He's like, ah, man, you love to have you. So I was like, all right. So jeez. And, and, and now listen, um, do, you, do you know do you know which of uh, President Trump's clones you were actually hanging out with? Oh God, that's what everybody says now, dude. Is is that a thing that people actually are buying into? Oh my God. Listen, you know there there was one time I was in I was in D.C. One time I was in D.C. in like um in uh, 2018 at some point. Lauren and I went down there, and um. And we were we were going to go meet up with some friends, and we were going as we were going there. We called an Uber. It's the first time I actually was ever in an Uber, and we got picked up by this guy, this this uh, this big black guy. And we're listening to, we're listening to uh, to Biggie, and we're we're talking about New York and and hip hop and all that. And he asks us where we're going and what we're doing. And of course, the president comes up, and th- and he was all about it. He said, "Listen." You know that most people in this town have clones, right? And he was telling, and he said, "I I know when I know when Trump is the clone when he wears the blue tie. I know what he's th- what, <laughs> so, dude. I, I I I get tickled pink when I have those conversations with anybody. So I was just That's going funny. with it. But yeah, you never know. Well, here's what I'll tell you: the the uh, the President Trump that I met in Georgia was the exact same one I met one. in South Carolina. Okay. He was a riot. Um, and he's like, uh, uh, what do I say? Like. He, it's very obvious, right? Like his aura, like the way he operates when you're around him is, is like, he's like really, he's like really whimsical, right? Like he just does what he wants to do. And, and then the whole world has to shift around what he's doing. Like, I want to sit there or I'm going to sit over there. And you're just kind of like, you know, they go, they have this whole rationale and explanation for how and why he shouldn't do that. And he's like, that's great. I'm sitting down now. Like he just does what he does. Um, well, well he was it was cool man it was a good experience I, I it must have been it must have been it must have been a real whirlwind of emotion too just being that swept up in that energy um you know i saw you i was watching a little bit of your show today and i know that you're chomping at the bit for 2024 to begin and for i mean for many reasons a, a lot of people are just like you know what let's rip this band-aid off let's get into it because yeah. it, it's it's starting to have i think for many of us it's having now that we now that hindsight is 2020 um, yes. This is starting to feel a lot more like we're going back in time 
it's 2019, but the the uh, the state of the world is a lot worse. The economy's a lot more shaky. Things are messed up. But here we are knocking on the door of a gigantic election year. And we're wondering now, with all this experience, what the hell is waiting on the other side of that threshold? And you were talking about, you dropped the, the phrase, the finality of it all. And mm. I, would, I want you to expand on what you believe the, the finality really is that we're coming up on. Because I, I know what I would be, well, I, I know what it means to me, but I want to hear you talk about right. the finality of 2024. Well, for me, it's, this is it for, for Trump, mm. right? It's even this is even it for Biden in that whole genre of Democrats like that, that uh, Clinton esque Pelosi esque Biden. This is their last swan song like these people aren't going to be doing public appearances by 2028. Right. Like we kind of understand age and and, you know, Biden at 86, if he makes it in 2028 uh is probably not going to or what is that yeah 85 86 i mean he's probably not gonna be out there uh hillary clinton all these people this is a swan song this is it this is the final final hurrah for them same thing with president trump which is like you either get this right and you get trump or the establishment rhinos are going to try and remove everything that he did and and that's why i love the finality of this there is not there is no Trump light out there, okay? Um, the governor from Florida, total fraud. Uh, you know, we, dig into, we dug into that guy a year ago, and it was really disappointing because I had supported him up until we finally said, time to do a deep dive. Where's the money coming from? What's the truth about his policies? But when you, when you peel back the PR, what's the reality of this guy? And that's where my disdain for him came from. It wasn't personal. And everybody thinks it came from him backstabbing Trump and running. It's not. It's once I dug into him and my team dug into him and we realized, dude, Ron DeSantis is literally Jeb Bush. Like there's this isn't even he's not even kind of different. He he's completely an establishment rhino Republican. And once we discovered that, that's where I think the personal disdain came from because a lot of people had bought into and us included maybe it's our fault but we had bought into the pr that was done about him and how his state was being run and the reality of that when you actually peeled back the layers it wasn't anywhere even close and so uh you know for me uh, you know i'm looking at this and it's like if you if you win this one in 24 that you've got a shot going forward with trumpism proving not only in 24 but beyond that because I have a feeling it's going to be probably the most incredible uh, administration you'll ever see. This uh, campaign is already night and day from any campaign he's run before. Uh, the level of discipline involved, the cohesiveness. You notice, Frank, there's no leaks coming out of this campaign. None. Zero. Nobody even knows who's running what. They think they know, but they really don't know. They don't know. They couldn't name the campaign manager if they tried because they haven't really declared somebody with that official title. So this is already being run way, way more strategically than uh, they have in the past with a lot more discipline. The message is bang on. Agenda 47, uh, I think, is something that's an it's an easy sales pitch for the uh, the average American voter. And then, uh, you know, and then when you look at it, and you go, okay, if you can establish President Trump in 24 and you show a path to victory, especially if he can get a resounding victory, um, it's going to inspire a lot of great people to run. One of those people, the only person I really believe in 
beyond President Trump, who's like, as if I was not, I want to say heir apparent because I think that diminishes President Trump. Um, but the person who I believe has a leadership style that is capable of of picking up where he leaves off, uh, God willing, if she can win her Senate seat, is Carrie Lake. And uh, after that, the cupboard's pretty fucking bare. I get okay. So then uh, here's what I got, got for you. I got two political questions for you then i want to just improv and we got questions that came in from the audience maybe maybe we can do that in the in the uh the the bonus round in the second half but here's the first thing it's especially especially since you're talking about leaks and all of that um i was reading through some reaction of the news of the the department of justice having served twitter with a warrant for Mm. for to, to collect information on americans who liked, followed, or retweeted President Trump, pretty much creating a database of all of his online followers. I'm sure that they must have a five uh, a five yard thick of dossier on you. But as <laughs> but as part of her coverage, as part of her coverage on this issue, Julie Kelly said the following, and I want to bring this up to uh, to yeah. to really preface a a question for you about what's coming next. Uh, he, she said that Twitter's appeal. Let's see, hold on. Uh, there it is. Uh, Twitter's appeal of Jack Smith's warrant, approved by the equally wicked Beryl Howell, Obama appointee, was upheld on appeal by two Obama judges and one Biden judge. This is why I call D.C. the legal and judicial inescapable circle of hell for Trump and his supporters. So my question for you, uh, Dilly, is that... Um, you know, the criminal charges, we understand, are, are a sham, but so are the psychotic prosecutors, the juries, the judges, the supporting media. What is the play? Do you know what the play for Trump's legal team is, especially in D.C.? Is it just play this out and plan for appeal? Do they believe that there is any shot on getting this thrown out on technicalities? I mean, I, I, what, what, what do you think about that? Just so the legal issues, what the play is there? I don't I don't have a insight as far as like an inside tip on what the legal play is. I can tell you he plans on bulldozing through whatever the hell comes down the pipeline. So it's not going to matter what they throw at him, Frank. He's in this till the end. So whether they convict him, whether he gets tossed out, whether he's able to do a continuance and get it, uh, you know, str- you know, he's be able, be able to, to extend this thing beyond there's no scenario where Donald Trump doesn't stay in the race. So for me, I don't get lost in the weeds on some of that, Frank, not because I don't think it's important because I think there's insightful, smart minds that will dissect that and discuss that. And they will, you know, that's a big thing. But for me, knowing where his mindset is, which is I don't give a fuck what you do to me in these courtrooms, I'm staying on, not only am I going to stay on the ballot, I'm going to win in a landslide for the primary. It's already over. We haven't even got to one state. He's already averaging lead, on, uh, you know, 50 points on average nationally. Uh, his next closest person's like 37, 40 points behind. Mm. Uh, and, and that's that's like the closest in any of these states is like 30-something points. Um, so he's not going anywhere. And so there's going to be a lot of the the objective, and this is the part where I think MAGA gets kind of distracted from from the point. The point of the cases are not actually to somehow, I don't believe they are to put him in jail today, right? The whole point of the whole function of all of this nonsense is just trying to scare voters and sell them the idea 
that they're wasting a vote by supporting Trump. That's the entire ob- objective is you, you're going to vote for a guy that's going to go to jail. That's the sales pitch, the sales pitch that DeSantis has been making, the sales pitch that Biden is still making. And what they're finding out through every indictment is the American public doesn't give a shit. And that's why his polling gets stronger and he gets more uh, relatable. He gets more money. Uh, They are sitting on a mountain of cash because they didn't have to spend to beat DeSantis. You're welcome, everybody. Uh, We took that motherfucker out. Uh, Campaign was supposed to ramp up and have to like uh, spend a ton of money in August. They ended up sitting down and going, we don't have to. Uh, We don't even have to staff up. We're good. We're going to stay locked and loaded. And we're going to bide our time, save our cash, keep our powder dry. And uh, and then we continued our demolition uh, of of his opponents while beginning the pivot towards Joe Biden, which will be an even it'll be easier from a messaging standpoint and a sales pitch standpoint and harder from a boots on the ground. You must get involved standpoint. It's totally different game. But we'll get there, or I think we're gonna do just fine. Well, I'm glad you're asked. I'm glad you brought that up about boots on the ground because I know that you are uh, on a, on a digital sense. That's that's been your battleground, but you've also have have a physical presence as well, and you are dialed in with people who are doing that, you know, full time. So I I ask um, the other biggest, the other the second and bigger question I think that is you know since 2020 is that if nothing is changing legally around the country, state to state. Um, at least not in a significant way, how the hell is 2024 going to turn out different? That's always the question that people ask. So I was talking with uh, Rich Barris on Monday, and even he said that the system allows for so much fraud that barring a greatest of landslides, which is what you're talking about, uh, a windfall Mm -hmm. that just needs to be the case, any unapproved outcome can be essentially neutralized. So with there being no court, no judge, no jury in this country that's going to come to anybody's aid if there is a repeat of 2020. What can what could you either surmise or tell us definitively about the campaign's game plan for election night? Uh, is there going to you know is there a greater emphasis on poll watching? Uh, is there a greater? I mean, I I just don't know. Um, that's my uh, well. Here's here's the easiest answer. Okay. Yeah. So here, here's here's the long and the short of it. The Okay, if you're Donald Trump, and this is, I figured this out over a year ago. I didn't even have to have this conversation with the campaign. I didn't even have to talk to President Trump about this. We were already on the same page. We looked at the same equation and went, the only thing you can do is X. All right, so here's the only solution. Relying on anybody other than Donald Trump puts your, your, uh, your chances at a high risk. And that includes your own supporters, Okay. What I mean by that is, should you get active and involved in your communities, poll watching and all that? Absolutely. Should every one of you be wearing cameras and filming and fucking camping out? Absolutely. You, whatever you can do legally, you need to be doing it. And and, and that includes the, you know, uh, vote, whatever was it called, uh, whether you're your uh, har- ballot harvesting legally, whatever you can do, do it. But strategically from a Donald Trump standpoint. Knowing what he knows in a very intimate way now, and, and even what I know now, thanks to, you know, we, we had a former Dilly Meme Team member who had to step away because he's literally one of the key witnesses in Georgia, and that case is moving forward. And I don't know if you know that, but, like, I've seen the evidence. And I'm not talking like, oh, there's a video. I've seen 
the actual evidence, and he's been open source sharing it. That's Mad Liberals on on uh, Twitter. He's in the case. He's he he was he has subpoena power. So we've seen the fraud. We know what they're how they did it. He's explained it to me repeatedly, at least in Georgia. So back to your original question: What's the campaign's perspective, and what's the mindset you have if you're Donald Trump? Simple. You know that they can cheat to a point, but there is a point that they can't go beyond. There's a point where you can fracture that system, and that is a landslide. So if you're Donald Trump, I can go into it and I can deploy all of my energy and all of my resources trying to get Joe Blow in fucking Western Pennsylvania to do X, Y, and Z, and please be on the ground and film, and you, I can do all that. And maybe Joe Blow gets sick and decides not to show up, and maybe... Maybe he gets removed anyway because Democrats don't obey laws on election night anyway. So, yes, that's one strategy. But the one strategy, if I'm Trump, that I know I can do is I can go out and I can spend two years trying to get the most votes in the history of the country. I can spend two years talking to all of the Bible Belt, and I can spend two years talking to Hispanics and black people and Democrats and independence. And now you're looking at the strategy that he implemented, which is, and I frankly, I agree with him. It's really not his problem if the United States of America and individual states and in individual counties don't get their shit together. That's your problem, right? That's not really his problem. His problem is going out and getting the maximum number of votes. And so I believe in what he's doing, which is control what you can control, spend money to get the maximum. Because the thing is, is if he hits a number that's big enough, not only is the fraud become numerically impossible, the outcry and blowback from it would be beyond anything you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. It would be something you've never seen. Because based on the evidence I have seen, generally speaking, Marginalized minority communities don't handle defeat very well. I've seen how they handle it, and it ain't J6, all right? So I don't think if you if he galvanizes the country, if he wins the black vote, the Hispanic vote, the independent vote, which I fully expect him to win all three of those, I don't think that there's a snowball's chance in hell that they can cheat enough to stop him. That's my opinion. Well, that's a – hey, the best part is – that for all the game planning that we can do over the course of any four-year period in our lives, when we are within a 12-month window now, you know, the, it, it, we are, it's less than a year away. I mean, th this time next year, we're all we're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about what, what the hell happened. Yeah. You know, it, it's it great. It's 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 insane. I mean, I, hey, I I think it's it all for whatever the hell you think the world, the condition of the world is in, what actually can be done to change it around, or how we can start uh, tipping the needle back toward restoration instead of mm -hmm. instead of having to live through this rot. Um, it, it, it does make for good television. It really does. The whole thing is very exciting. I got to say, at least we have a purposeful lives, Frank. And I mean that. I'm not even saying that like facetiously. Like. Fighting for your country in a way that is is not that, that you're getting to argue and debate and, and you're getting to shape like I love that. Like, uh, like one of the things that's been the honors uh, of my life in, in, in the Daily Meme team is once President Trump adopted our messaging and you utilized our, our videos. Right. And then the campaign was like taking kind of 
some cues from what we were doing was like, okay, that's a good idea. We're going to do once you realize that you're involved in that and, and you're and we're doing much more, our, our thing is a lot more culture driven that happens to be political, but it's very much culture. And I think I, I can't think of a greater honor than getting to participate in the, uh, the, the, the fight to save America, mm. no matter how it turns out. I know. I know. I, and you you said there right there to have that purpose driven life essentially. And I, yeah. I had, yeah, when I think about this stuff here too, I mean, other than this, other than those two questions I really had, it really is a, um, I stay away from as much news as possible these days. Social media yeah. is, it's inundated, social media especially is inundated with just violent footage of just violent crime, verbal diarrhea videos from TikTok, things that really convince you if you're watching it and you're engaging with it every day and you especially start seeking it out. Um, if you want to lay down commentary on that, nothing but that. You, there is no hope. You, there, there, right. There's impossible for hope to take root inside of you because this is just, it's crazy. But, you know, you're a life coach. Uh, you're, mm -hmm. you're a personal trainer, motivator by trade. So how do you process this stuff? Uh, is it avoidance or is it generally just a more stoic and dispassionate approach to it all where you don't allow it to penetrate? Or is there always limits to what you, uh, you take a look at? You mean when I'm, like, looking at news and stuff like that? No, yeah. I think that... I, I'm a, I'm a pretty good I'm a pretty good uh, judge of like what matters. So I don't really it doesn't matter whether it's positive or negative. Things that don't move the needle for me, I don't really I don't entertain. Um, so like when I'm looking at the culture and I'm looking at all these lost lambs and I'm looking how they express themselves, I don't really get too caught up in like the minutia of it. Right? Like like when I look at New York City and I look at all the violent crime you've got going on. It's horrible, right? But I don't need to like watch every violent video to understand that you have violent crime, right? So it's like, and I don't necessarily need to repeat or like re report on it every single day either. Like, you're there, people are there. They know it sucks. Like they know they know it's not safe to go to a large portion of their city, right? So I don't really feel like it's for me from so, as a, somebody who who has to stay on top of the pulse of like culture and, and you know, obviously to be effective at what we're doing. I don't necessarily know that I have to fill my mind with, with that stuff. I stay really, really um, almost obsessively fixated on what I want in life. And like, as somebody that came from nothing and was all broken and destroyed 10 years ago, and then even didn't even really put it together until about five and a half years ago, um, I know exactly how I got here and exactly what I did. So I don't really deviate from that. I focus on what, I desire, I focus on what those steps look like to achieve that. And then I do it every single day, 16 to 18 hours a day. And I work with, you know, about a hundred other people between uh, the Dilly meme team, the, the core base of my fans, and then a bunch of people inside of MAGA, whether it's, you know, the Trump team or, or other influential people who are, who are uh, inside of our world. So I just stay completely focused on what, what I'm trying to create and what the world I want. Because in between now and then, of course, it's going to be messed up. Joe Biden's the president. You have a massive, massive vacuum on leadership in this country. You don't have good leaders here. You have people are very afraid of criticism. They're very afraid of of uh, failure. They're afraid of getting things wrong. So they're more cautious with what they say. Their discernment is dog shit. So they're 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 very uh, you know they're very sort of uh, 
they hedge, they're apprehensive about taking definitive positions. So you just have a country full of people with no, you know, no direction. Yeah. And uh, and so I, I don't really, I don't get shocked by much anymore because I'm like, that's how people behave when they don't know who's in charge. Like that, it yeah. doesn't even, you know, right? It's like, I think to expect anything different would be weird. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Um, and especially when you have, we're just really, it's the windfall now of, of so many years of, people not having any kind of real role uh, definitive role models in their lives right um but even people who have complete family units it, it, i feel like everybody's distracted by something now uh it's very hard to communicate when everyone is shouting at once too uh, <laughs> i i don't know i think that's why it's really uh it's really uh, a good service to provide to people to put on talk shows that actually allow people to come in and express a thought, sit back, be listened to for a second because nobody's doing any listening. That's number one. Um, uh, that it's just it's just the way it is. I um I also love this thing that you put out from 2015. You uh, what's oh, yeah. Wednesday Wisdom yeah. from 2015, and. You put it out there, especially over the the, the holidays, because I know from my audience as well, there's a lot of people struggling with uh, depression, their detachment, things like that. Because it's not only just because as time goes on, people we we love either move away, grow old, they die, the generations change over. It's a very, it's really rough. And I understand why everybody in my family said, "Hey, you know, getting old is tough." It's not so much that your your knees and your elbows are achy. It's that you're you're constantly saying goodbye, and now mm-hmm. we're living in such a time where the uh, people are shaking each other off like fleas. It seems, and a lot of lifelong friendships, families are being kind of torn apart by these the lines that are drawn in the sand on those things that really don't should not move the needle for anybody. That you know, right. fr- friendships and friendship and 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 family should be you know unbreakable. Uh, mm-hmm. And and it seems like the the smallest of things are breaking them apart. And you pro- you brought up something here. Uh, it's about the fade, fade in and out of consciousness. I fade. So now you're talking from the standpoint of a motivator, a personal trainer, a life coach who's giving advice to people who don't take it, and you just allow. Well, that, go, tell, let me, I'll tell you how I wrote that, and I think it'll give you more context. Okay, yeah. so. I wrote that when I was observing, because I was already a published author at that point. I already was a best-selling author. And I wrote it because I observed that, like, people would come into my sphere, right? Like, it'd be super fans, and they'd be hot on you for, like, a little while. And then, like, if you're on that side of it, you're experiencing all this love and ad- adoration, and you're like, this is so great. And then I would observe as they would start to fade out and they'd go away. And, and then I started thinking about it in terms of, like, the rest of my life, whether it was friends, or, or romances, or even just like business related, everybody, right? Like every relationship in your life has this sort of dance that it does, and you never know which ones are gonna stick. And you don't know which ones, the ones you think might stick are the ones that like fade out and they, and you, and you can almost watch them going out to sea like a ship. You can see them day by day, slowly until they're, they're no longer in your view. And then there, it's like, and then, and then, and not to be weird, but like existentially, you're like, were they ever even really in my life? Cause it's, they're so far removed. And then, and then it gets even stranger as you live longer, you're, you could almost, it's, it becomes harder and harder to recollect what it was like to have them in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, 
And so I was trying to explain this because one of the ways, and obviously you're starting to read the, the whole thing and we could get into that if you want to read it, but one of the things I observed is that human beings have a really hard time coping with something that is completely natural and meant to happen. And so one of the ways that they do it usually is anger, right? Like, like you can't have a clean breakup because then it's much more painful. You got, someone's gotta be at fault. Someone's gotta be, it's gotta be your fault. Like friendships ending, it can't just be, eh, we just kind of grew apart and that was that. People got this thing where they're like, I don't like the way that feels. It feels empty. I've got to deal with that. I've got to deal with the, the um, lack of control. They hate that. How could it have just ended? I don't understand. We're friends. And, and that was the whole point was I was trying to illustrate like this shit is normal. Like, and the, and the thing is, and I don't cling to anybody. And when I say that, Frank, I don't cling to anybody, not in business. You want to do business with me? You better follow the fuck up. Cause I don't chase anybody either. Like I'm not that guy. So I'm somebody that believes like I'll put in effort and I'll mirror the effort that I'm getting. As soon as you start fading out, I move on. And the reason is there is so much ahead of you. And a lot of people I think are constantly trying to, they're gripping on to whatever they've managed to create in life. They're just holding on for dear life. Like I don't want to lose this, whatever it is, a friendship or a romance or a business partnership. And I live my life totally different. I don't believe in that. I believe in like, like if you're meant to be here with me, then you'll continue. We'll continue to have shared values and shared effort, mutual effort towards whatever it is, friendship or otherwise business relationships. And if it's not, I fucking promise you, as I sit here as the day is long, I'll replace your ass. Cause there's always not more great people coming into your life. And so like, I just, that was what that whole writing, the expression of it was about. It was about having the grace to allow things to, to fade out. And that's why, like, I don't really like burn bridges either with like good people that I used to be close with. Like if they fade out and there's not some definitive, like harm done, I don't necessarily, I don't like you. I don't, I don't dislike either because I don't know who you're going to become in the future. And if you come back around and that's kind of what it's about too, is like, cause the thing is when you piss people off on the way out, right. And let's say you're mean and shit after you've been best friends, like you guys are best friends. And then you're mean publicly, you say mean shit all of whatever you told them during that friendship gets diminished. So all of your advice, all of your guidance, all of your, all your nice words, all that shit goes out the window. But if you allow people to leave your life gracefully, all that good shit you did stays intact, even if they're not in your life anymore. And so it gives you an opportunity because you don't know life, life can be funny. You might be living. And then that person you thought was gone forever fucking comes back into Harbor. And, and all of a sudden, you can resume it without any of the dirty, gross muck. Mm -hmm. And that's why I kind of approach relationships the way that I do. And I'm talking about all of them, friendships, uh, romances, business. I'm very like, you know, if you were here for a reason, then you were here for a reason. And if you leave, then you're leaving for a reason. And I'm, I'm a patient man. I'll, 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 I'm good with just letting you kind of and, and go. You know, there it uh, there's a lot there to unpack, and I and I when I was taking a look at this here too, I I was seeing it at it, yeah. There is a gracious way that people and our life really just filters things. You know, people, places, things, times in our lives, events. It's 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 almost like uh, everybody goes through a a big filtration uh, moment there. I've had friends that 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 just kind of went away. 
uh, no falling out, no nothing like that. But it was just clear we weren't on the same page anymore. And it it was just one day was the last day we hung out. And there was nothing. There was nothing. You know. And there was no fighting against it. It was just all right, right. Well, let's just see what the hell comes up next. And now we're living in a time where I think a lot of people, like when I sent this to a buddy of mine, I have to read what he said back. Um, he really uh, jived with it because there are a lot of people right now who are in the same position as my friend, where there is just so much that you see alive. And uh, so, someone, so many disingenuous things that you see inside the people that we've known and loved our whole lives sometimes. And we're seeing people who are just stepping away from close friends and family because there's just, there's no way for the two realities to mesh as well. And he, listen to this. I, I sent this over to him and he contributes to the show a lot. He said, Frank, Dilly says a lot of things that really hit hard. Like how you need to lose weight, stop smoking, stop being lazy, etc. And when you hear him call out something you're personally guilty of, your conscience uh, affirms it. Crazy that you just sent this to me. The number one reason why I've cut ties with almost all of my friends and family over the past several years is because I can't stand watching them lie to themselves. Small lies have become such an integral part of how society functions because the need to be polite and fear of isolation have paralyzed the truth. COVID was the largest display of this phenomenon we've ever seen with respect to masks and vaccines. What powers the NPC movement or the NPC phenomenon isn't so much the lack of intelligence as it is a lack of courage, the courage to be honest with yourself about your demons and to banish them. The road less traveled is less traveled for a reason. It's hard. So it's true. Yeah. Now, the only thing I would tell him, he has to go against what he's doing. So he, the, the, you're, you're, he's doing the wrong thing. Okay. He's going the wrong direction. So Frank, how do you stop? How do you stop an astronaut ostracized alienated nerd from becoming a school shooter? Duh. I don't know. Be, I mean, to, I, I would say become their friend, you know, that's just the, Hey, how are you doing, bro? Yeah. Five minutes every day in the hallway. I know. Cause I used to be friends with all the nerdy kids. Not because I thought I had a tons in common with them. I just watched them going about their days and thought, that looks like it sucks. And then I, I, you know, I wasn't the easiest person to get along with in high school, especially if you were popular. I didn't really like those kids because the what your what your person was just talking about, the disingenuous nature of people. But it's really not that complicated. You just be nice to people that feel like they're on the outside of society. Now, what your friend's avoiding is becoming a leader. And that's why he's not engaging his friends and family anymore. You have to take it on, take it upon yourself to be willful of the fact that you're the you're the weird one, and they're all full of shit, and you know it. And even worse, they know it. But you don't have to highlight it every time. You just lead by example. You live a good life. You show them how to be a happy person, even when nothing seemingly happy is going on. You can be like, that's a state of mind. Like, oh, yeah, but everything's so scary out there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's just fucking human beings living and being human beings, being scared and being desperate. And th essentially all you're watching is humanity trying to redefine itself, which is why you're you're watching this shuffling of the deck all over the place. And that's why families and friends and all of it's all shuffled all over the place because people are they're trying to figure out who the hell they are. So if you're one of the lucky ones who knows exactly who you are, go fucking teach other people how to do it. That's what I do. Hey, it's way easier and you make way more friends.
Yes, and, and, you know it's funny because I I understand you're talking about you're talking about these personal relationships, and for people who broadcast all every day like yourself, uh, it, it's you know looking at I've seen you get into so many fights with chat rooms. Um, I I've seen <laughs> you know, I've seen you wage war. I mean that's why yes. you're called the warlord. I mean so it, it it is actually a little bit funny to to hear you talk about being being <laughs> nice at embracing. But, people. but you know what they do, Frank? They all do the same thing. They all follow the same trajectory. They, I, I piss them off. I remind them of their place. They hate that, right? Because they're in the chat writing stupid text. And I'm like, you're watching me every day, remember? I don't tune into your shitty show. Like, I don't know who you are. And they don't like that already because they're like, no, I've been told the last 10 years we're all on the same page and we're all equal. And it's like, no, we're fucking not. I don't schedule your life. You schedule around my shit. And, and they don't like hear that because they're like, oh, wait, then I have to acknowledge that you're the leader, at least in some aspect of my life. They hate that. But secondly... I'm always keeping it honest, dude. If I'm wrong and you write me an email and, I, and I'm like, oh, shit, I'm wrong, I'll be the first person to be like, I'm really sorry. And then I'll come on my show and say, I'm sorry, I was a fucking asshole with so-and-so. But it doesn't happen very often. And usually what happens is they get kicked out of the chat or they get nuked and six months goes by, nine months goes by, a year goes by, and they're like, hey, remember that thing? You were totally right. I'm really sorry. And I'm like, it's all good. I never shitty to people who apologize. I'm like, that's okay. You didn't know any better. Otherwise, you'd have done better. It happens all the time. I got all these fucking people. Remember, they were trying to cancel me on Truth Social for lighting up all the people that believed in the, the Q shit. They all mad at me. Nobody fucking wants to ask me, how the hell did the guy that was like anti our little fucking club end up next to Donald Trump all the time? Like, really? Didn't, didn't kind of wonder like how that happened? It didn't have anything to do with this shit. I can tell you that. It was biting the bullet and telling everybody, okay, you're stuck with Biden for four years. Let's start putting together a game plan. And everyone tried to cancel me. And I lost a shitload of money because I lost a bunch of fans. And they all tried to cancel me even after I did nice things for them and enriched their life. And they all tried, oh, you're an asshole. You did this, that, and the other. It's like, well, all right. And now what happens? Slowly but surely. I promise, Frank, the one of the fallouts of that uh, hanging out with President Trump in the box is that. Like, yeah, a lot of people with hat in hand going like, so... All right, apparently you're not a dick that's, like, going against Trump. Because that's what they accuse me of. They're like, oh, what, what, you what? don't believe in Trump what, because, because I'm not believing in this thing. When, when you just looked at what we were facing in the last weeks of 2020 and saying, we're going to have to live through Biden. Oh, oh I, Yes. I, I got, hey, listen, I, I got a little bit of that, too. I, it, I, and I understood. I understood where the desperation was. I mean, the realization of what we were going to be forced. I mean, that inauguration, right. as I say, as I always call it, the still the stillborn presidency of Joe Biden. Where great you, way of saying that, Frank. You, you, That's you, a really great way of describing it. I mean, it, it, just, it, it was a stillbirth. You have yeah. this, this small little country club of people inside of a barricaded compound that used to be the U.S. Capitol, protected by the military, so they can have their little fucking baptismal ritual for this right. husk of a man while everybody else is... The the rest of the nation is kept on the outside as they're as they they've already I mean they I mean, January 6th had just been uh you know pulled off and all that other shit I mean it is uh there's a lot of people that did not want to face how ugly the reality that we actually were living in they wanted to believe that at the last second Trump was going to cross the Rubicon right. with the Marines I wanted to believe it too but they were also even worse though even once they realized that wasn't going to happen they continued to sell that idea to schleps who weren't ready to deal with it yeah. for the sake of money. 
And that's where I became a monster. And by the way, there's somebody in your chat I want to address it. Can I address your chat? Oh, uh, yeah. You know what? It's a comment. Do... said, uh, I haven't listened to Dilly in a really long time. He seems to have a much bigger head now. Inflated ego. So I'm going to say this like really crystal clear to you. I have scoreboard. So you're right. I probably have more confidence than I ever have because I was next to the greatest fucking president of all time the other night, the other night by invitation and uh, no one else got fucking invited. So I've got the scoreboard. I helped demolish with the Dilly meme team, a hundred million dollar fucking machine. That was the DeSantis campaign that watched a lot of people backstab Donald Trump who are now stuck with nowhere to go. And we were at the forefront of that. I don't know what to tell you. It's not ego. It's it's reality. I got the fucking scoreboard. What do you want me to do? Like, I got a smoking hot wife. I don't hide her either, dude. Like, as soon as I start fucking throwing up air balls, you'll see me have a different disposition and attitude. Until then, maybe you should shut the fuck up and try to learn something. You see, I said, as I said, it was going to get a, uh, a wide variety of emails after this show, uh, but I, that's why we do this. I wanted to bring some, uh, some enthralling conversation to the fore. Now, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to hold Dilly over for the, uh, the second half. We're going to do a, uh, a little bonus round. Uh, Dilly, you good for another 15, 20 minutes? I, however long you want me, dude. I'm oh, here. It's right. been too long, Frank. It has been. It's been. It's been, it's been three years, man. I, I mean, it, since you've been on this show, it was. I remember that night waiting for the the second shoe to drop or the the shoe to drop, the big clown shoe to drop on on election night when all the 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 pipes in the in the nation started to burst. Anyway, I'm going to put you on mute for about a minute and a half as we go through the intermission. And ladies and gentlemen, I uh, invite you all over. I have the links in the description of this episode below, especially on YouTube and on. Uh, Rockfin and on uh, Rumble and elsewhere, there is the um, the Foxhole link. There's also the QuiteFrankly.tv link. Just go right to the the website. It's all the same thing, all powered by the same wonderful um, platform. And we're going to do our second half uh, show, including your calls and a lot of other things. So I hope that you join us, and I will see you soon. Get on over there, and uh, until later. Uh, all these full episodes in full will be uploaded onto Rumble and onto BitChute and onto Rockfin by night's end, along with the podcast. So that's what we have. But there's nothing like live, so bounce on over now. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to Intermission. We'll, we'll be right back. Yeah, Intermission. Quite frankly. 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 Qu
Quite Quite frankly. frankly. Quite 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 frankly. We all support. Quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. How dare you? Oh. Okay, and we are back on the other side of of the break. Brendan Dilly still here, Dilly. How you having? You having a good time tonight so far? Dude, I'm having fun. I, I love sitting down with you, Frank. You're a smart guy. I've always respected you because you're very, very brilliant. Well, so dude. I sit, I sit down. I because I know there's a few things that are gonna happen. One, I'm gonna learn something, and, and that doesn't happen very often when you talk to people. There's a lot of dumb motherfuckers out here. And two, um, I'm gonna. I know you're gonna ask me questions that take me into a different direction that I don't normally go, which I appreciate because I think uh, you know it, it's it's more fun to get to talk about something maybe that I don't have to talk about all the time. Yeah, no, so. I, I I well I really appreciate that. That is very that's high compliments. I I really do appreciate it. And I I like vibing out with you, man. Always have, always have. And uh, like I said, it's going to be this is one hell of a year to to stay in touch and to keep uh, everybody you know in close proximity and just be like, "Hey, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What do you say?" Um, it's, it just makes it just makes the uncertainty cozy. We are essentially f- just sailing into a wall of fog right now, and that yeah, is, know. you know, it's great. It's gonna be good. Um, before we go anywhere, did you read this article from Mediaite about uh, Washington Post the 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 MAGA doms and the libtard subs infiltrating the kink communities? Did you hear about this? What? Okay. No, no, no. I definitely am not familiar with that one. What? All right, you, you've got you listen to this. Listen to this. They hear, I'm putting it up on the screen. And we're, hey, by the way, Frank, I don't think you have your your screen back on Rumble. What do you mean? Oh yeah, no, no. We we bounced off to quitefrankly.tv. I'll upload the. Oh, yeah. I don't think they know that. My or at least a lot of these people don't know that. They're oh, in the chat. Still. Oh shit. I, well, I, I well anyway. I uh, yeah. It's quitefrankly.tv. Uh, I I put it all. The link is in the the Rumble thing before below the the description. Anyway, the full episode is going to be up on Rumble by the end of the night. But we're. Yeah. Anywho, uh, it'll it'll all work out. I promise. The Washington <laughs> Post published an eye-popping report on the rise of political humiliation on Tuesday, interviewing the quote libtard subs who fantasize about being dominated by MAGA dominatrix, okay, and vice versa. Journalist Haley Lieberman, Dilly opened her article with a transcript from a political humiliation video which featured a dominatrix trying to persuade beta liberals to vote Republican for Daddy Trump. Now listen to this. The dominatrix who voted for former President Donald Trump twice but now supports Ron DeSantis told told the Washington Post she earns six figures annually with her niche content. Um, we can read a little bit more because it's it's really fascinating. What do you think so far about the rise of political fetishism? Uh, what do you think about this? I I do. It kind of makes sense because you can kind of look people that human beings like to have order, bro. Like they just do, and and I think that there's. I think that a lot of people who are not accustomed 
to being in leadership positions uh, culturally or politically have been elevated. And it's a really uncomfortable role and it's not natural. So it makes sense that they would pursue uh, a someone to fulfill that need of putting them in, in what the position that they're accustomed to being in, which is a subservient, lesser than position. So I'm not really surprised at all, to be honest with you. I'm not either. And you know why? When I saw this, I, I mean, I don't know how prevalent it is. I just don't. I, obviously, somebody had to say, hey, uh, you got to come and report on this. I, I belong to one, you know, fetish, you know, BDSM club or whatever. And there's a lot more people who want to play uh, Republican versus Democrat domineering games. But right. whenever I, I take it, whether it is what's going on in, new, in any courtroom in the country where they're going after Donald Trump or any anywhere that you see these political battles ringing out um, I always say that there is something very very psychosexual about the whole thing as it is I love this stuff especially since uh, especially with the left they're so histrionic um, in the way yeah. that they go out into the world and present themselves especially from a a um, you know a, a, a promiscuous kind of libertine yeah. standpoint so listen to this more um, Lieberman also spoke to a 33-year-old Republican whose day job involves monitoring politics in liberal media for an unnamed radio host, but who runs the fetish group MAGA Doms and Domas. Oh, wait, Dom how, what was that? Dominatrix, I don't know. And Libtard Subs by Night. On Mag so here's the thing. Another man who I described himself as very, very, very much a liberal told the Washington Post that he fantasized about Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene and Representative Lauren Boebert forcing him to vote straight red Donald Trump. This guy, he's getting off to the idea that Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert are going to actually bring him to the voting booth, Dilly. In a in a dog leash and forcing him to vote Republican, that is is gratifying people on a sexual level right now. What? You know what's weird, dude? Here's what's weird. Their subconscious mind is trying to guide them towards an outcome, and it's manifesting in other parts of their lives, and they don't even realize it. Like they don't actually even understand from the the psychological standpoint why this is happening like they think they know but they don't know hmm. they it, it's just like you can see the vacant look like you you've seen it if you've ever had an argument not even argument that's not the right word because i don't really argue with these people maybe you have a couple of words exchanged because i'll gauge whether it's like and you probably do the same you you kind of gauge whether there's anything the lights are on like am i going to go forward in this conversation and actually defend my position or is this like a lost cause right yeah so you kind of do that thing where you feel it out a little bit and then you realize Sometimes you'll realize, oh, lights are on a little bit. Like this happens to me mostly when I have like a, a Lyft driver or something, especially because, I mean, you can't like obviously you can't hide what you're doing when you're getting driven to Mar-a-Lago and you're wearing a MAGA hat. It's like pretty clear. They're, they know where they're taking you. Right. Absolutely. And so it does invoke a conversation. And so you can tell a lot of them when you hit that cognitive dissonance in the conversation. And it's not that you're trying to like, checkmate them but you're trying to get them up to the point where they shut down because it's during that quiet shutdown moment where they're hoping that you didn't notice that they couldn't overcome what you just said that's where they have that insecurity because that's all you're really doing is going you, you just scratch it like you're fucking wrong and then you go but you're graceful you go hey thanks for the ride and you walk away and then they're like 
and it's planted because now you have to deal with that. Like, I'm good. I'm going to go do my shit because I know that I was just explaining something to you who doesn't know shit about anything, and I'm trying to explain it to you, and I'm just like, all right, well, best of luck to you. You know, hey, good luck. I don't know how it's going to work out for you. And you walk away. Um, But you can see that moment of insecurity, though, like especially if you've done a pretty good job of not necessarily even countering their stuff. A lot of times it's validating, like, oh, yeah, I can see your concerns, but, you know, the reality is this. And then they're like, well, yeah, but and you go, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. And then it's kind of like, so my whole point is, I think that a lot of these people, I think they're starting to know that they're wrong. Okay. So here's go, go with me on this, Frank. I, I think they understand. Oh shit. I picked, I went the wrong way. Okay. The problem is because of what was done to this country using censorship, they tied people's entire identities to a political choice. See, it used to not be that way at all. So you could be wrong one election and go, I'm never voting for that guy again. And no one gave a shit. They went, yeah, me either. And you'd vote the other way. It, it was like it was like changing your pants. But what they did was, when as soon as they told you, if you support Donald Trump, you're a racist, they drew a line that basically made it to where the whole country had to, after they repeated it enough, had to come to terms with the fact I'm apparently a racist if I agree with uh, a, a you know America first economic policy, right? That's a hell of a bridge to ask regular people to try and cross in their own lives. Mm-hmm. And so you tied so much identity to this inane fucking political decision that now that when people want to finally change their mind, they have all of these this laundry list of insecurities about why they can't. Oh yeah, and then, and, then, and and of course it's so easy to jump from there to turn that into a sexual taboo because it's right. just, I mean, that's the, it's it. It's taboo. And, and the uh, racist, the rapist, he raped people. He's a rapist. I'm like, you know what I mean? Like they, they go through this whole laundry list of things that they've been told. It means if you change your opinion about Donald Trump and yes. And I think, so what, so what's the significance of Marjorie Taylor green or, or Lauren Boebert leading him by a leash. It's like, I'm not capable of getting there. See what that is, dude. And this is where it gets even creepier. He's trying to remove responsibility for making the right decision. You understand? Yeah. Like that's the whole, that's the whole, um, allowing that's part of the, the, the hook on the dominatrix sub community is foregoing power means foregoing responsibility. This is why like powerful businessmen, billionaires, have really fucked up weird fetishes involving being degraded because it's not even about the act. It's about the, the, the loss of control and not having to be responsible for the moment. That's where the relaxation sets in. And so this guy, all he's trying to do is he's trying to find a way to do the right thing without having to be responsible for everything else that comes with doing the right thing. Right. Because the right thing has been, has been made into a taboo. Bingo. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's, That's sad as shit, but that tells you how deep the programming is, bro. Big time. Very deep. This dude's, he's voting all red, by the way. Oh, yes. And he's, and he's gonna come so hard that night. I know, I know. He's gonna, he's gonna vote. He's, he might not even make it out of the booth. He's just gonna, <laughs> he's like, what the hell's going on? You just hear moaning coming from behind the curtain. Oh! oh! oh. As he, as he fucking, as he checks that Donald Trump on the screen, just... He reaches his end. He's gonna look like uh, was it Stan's dad from uh, 
South Park in that chair. Well, all I know is, you know, you can't you can't get out of a at a, at a polling station. You cannot wear your uh, Make America Great Again hat. No. You can't wear a Biden shirt. You can't wear anything. It's illegal to wear anything. It it, right. it counts as like almost like uh, what what. Uh, but pamphleteering or whatever yeah, yeah it's like pamphleteering or something i don't know so you have to turn your shirt in and inside out or whatever right, right. but i think everybody's going to know what's going on if they're standing in line to vote and they see a man on all fours getting walked in on a leash they're going to know exactly who's voting for who and why now <laughs> so there's so that's, that's especially what's... if it's marjorie taylor green with the leash you're the, oh, i know what happened to that guy you're good you got it, another one honey i swear to god i the marjorie taylor green it was marjorie taylor green she walked it she was holding i was gun. in line and she just leashed me it was she was talking no to me and she was talking to me like it was nothing she had a guy on a leash it was her i swear to god yeah i know in connecticut yes she flew that's up. how the guy on the leash is gonna like get out that's how he's gonna continue to attend thanksgiving dinner because he gets to be a victim so it's like i didn't want to vote that way Marjorie Taylor Greene put a leash on me and took me to the voting booth. I had no, I had no power. You know, if she really loves her country, Marjorie Taylor Greene, she should fly all over the place yes. on election day to dog walk as many liberals as she wants. As the, as I feel they like want. that's a really good money maker for her. I know that those people are crazy. They pay absurd money. They would. They would. Isn't she a Georgia rep? Is she yours, dude? She's like she's like just south of me. No, I have the other guy. I don't know what his name is. Apparently, he's good, but. She's in the district just south of me, dude, like literally 20 minutes. Oh, okay. Well, there yeah. you go. Um, uh, here's a couple of questions from the audience. Uh, this one is from Dave T. He says, question for Dilly. Uh, two parts. If Trump is elected, who is to say they won't handcuff him again? Uh, well, he can, at that point, he has he has power to. When he says handcuff, is he talking about like limit his ability oh, to maneuver? Oh, 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 or is yes. he talking like literal? Yes, yes, yes. He's, he's talking about literal. Uh, he's talking about uh uh, okay, maneuverability. So, yes. Let me let me answer that for you. All of the pricks that were responsible for the hiring, like I got the full blowdown, like lowdown now on how everything went. Okay, transition teams, the whole nine. All of that's been changed, and this ain't his first rodeo. So, when I tell you they're running a skeleton crew because they don't like this is what's so incredible about Trump twenty twenty four, and because of really what's happened, whether it's the Dilly meme team or all of MAGA pulling together, the people have taken the campaign into their own hands and it has allowed them to keep their powder dry on staffing and money and maneuvering. Um, many of the, let's say, I don't know if they're mistakes as, more, as much as they are, as, as many of the overwhelming choices that had to be made in a very quick way are not gonna be made that way anymore does that make sense frank uh yes because you're talking about like people don't understand staffing up is like 600 people into positions where you're you've only got 80 people doing the hiring and you're trying to staff 600 and so what ends up happening is you end up if, if you don't have the right 80 people those 80 people are staffing obama holdovers which is what happened um so well to a second point I mean, I can. I guess it's, it's a little bit more of a, the first point. He says, "What uh, Dave says, what's to say that he won't end up being the same way he was, trying to appease his detractors, being nice and not draining the swamp and picking a, a, a bad cabinet along the way." Um, well, this is, I think, the you know, skeleton crew that that goes to explain a lot of that. But w w you know, in in figuring out and getting the inside baseball on what had happened during that time. Uh, uh, you, you, why not at the the halfway point? 
of the first the first term was there not a oh you know what we better um i can fire whoever the hell i want i can bring in any outsider i want why not at that point say there was some of that there there was some of that but you're talking i'm talking about like how do i put this it, it'd be like trying to identify who is occasionally losing a letter in the mailroom when you're like the ceo you understand like like you can only you are really reliant upon whoever's at that senior level like above those people right so this is what i'm trying to say is like you don't know what you don't know until you know mm-hmm. right so like and trump the way he's moving in that first administration he is literally dodging all of the political bullets right they're trying to uh destroy his his character and his name they're trying to they're, they got his sons going in to get fucking you know russia shit for two years, right? All of this is happening at the same time as they're infiltrating and trying to subvert his policy decisions. And that includes like choices being made that he thinks are being made and they're done. And they're like, yes, sir. And then they turn around and walk out and don't do shit with it. Right? So there's a lot of that kind of stuff that, that happens. And he still got an enormous amount of work done. He did the framework. Now, strategically speaking, he has numerous tools in his tool belt with the right people now that they know exactly how to deploy and clean out the swamp. Okay. There are things and strategies that have been, that are now known legally what you can and can't do and how exactly to execute them. And the reason you don't uh, look, this is why you want a, a, a dog like Trump in this fight. There is no next election, bro. Mm-hmm. I'll give you another inside baseball thing that people don't know all right this will be one that it's not out on the street you're not going to hear this anywhere when you think about vp candidates for trump he doesn't want an heir apparent not only does he not want an heir apparent he doesn't want anybody who's looking to build on a political career he wants another swan song person like him who's like this is it for me which is why I predicted, and, and I'm actually, you know, I'm, I'm rooting for like a Ben Carson, a man that's like, I know who I am. I've never deviated from who I am. I'm at sort of the end of my political public road, and, I, and I've already shown, obviously, tremendous loyalty to President Trump. But I can tell you he doesn't want somebody that is using it as a resume builder. He wants somebody that's going to literally, when he leaves, they're like, thanks, America, and roll out with them. I think uh, I, you find somebody who fits the bill of a Calvin Coolidge, please. That's all I. That's all I ever uh, wondered. I, I, this is. I'm. I'm really just diving into the MAGA pool tonight because we don't have these conversations too often, and I want to get the updates, especially since we're knocking on the door of 2024. Let me ask you one right. last big question. That I, this has been duplicated by a lot of the audience who have been su- su- submitting questions for the show, and that is all what they what you think is going to be the vp pick um i think it's ben carson oh you think that i do okay i think that now i i don't have any reason like there's no tips i i was pulling for carrie lake but that's because i didn't understand what his mindset was about it i believe here's what i believe i believe if carrie lake becomes the senator of arizona in 2024 she will be your Republican nominee for president in 2028. That's what I truly believe. I don't think that there is 
any shadow of a doubt, if she can make it into the Senate, she's probably your 2028 nominee. And I don't think, I think she'll leave the Senate and she will become your next president after Trump. But as far as VP picks, I think here's the thing about Ben Carson and why I, I think it could be Ben. He was so effective in the first term, in the first administration at, with the work he did. And I think he's somebody that really does secure um, a lot of votes that, that Mike Pence might have been responsible for previously with the, the religious vote and a lot of that. Um, I also think that he's got a very cool demeanor, but he's extremely loyal to Donald Trump. And um, and he's also a guy, has he doesn't have an ego like a lot of these other people. He has nothing left to prove. He's already one of the foremost important brain surgeons in the history of that industry. He's already proven that he can uh, do good for his community and he's successful. Uh, you know, he's already raised a family, all that stuff. All the By all measurements, everything that he could possibly want to accomplish, he's already done. Mm-hmm. And I think that he would be a guy that would be there for the right reasons, which would be to be of service to the country. Now, will it be him? I don't know. Um, I think he fits the mold. I think he fits a lot of those boxes. It could also be, it could also be a guy like that's been through the ringer, like Trump. That's a little more tenacious. Maybe in a maybe like an attorney general, Ken Paxton out of Texas. It could be a guy like that um, that's a little long in the tooth. Also, not a young guy. Well, there's a yin and the, there's a yin and yang uh, kind of a feeling with a with a with a temperament and a personality like a Ben Carson that I can understand why you would clip those two together. Um, it, it just it feels like he would be a little bit more of a calm, preserving force that stands behind right. the bluster of of a Donald Trump. I, I can see how that would be a nice compliment, and then of course maybe a relieving. Uh, you know, everybody taking a nice deep breath of air, uh, breath, uh, fresh breath of air after the fact when it's um, it's time for a change of guard. Um, well, uh, well, the thing is with Ben Carson too, Frank. Just real quick. He already did work within the like a lot of inner cities. Like he's already proven himself. So from a presidential voting standpoint, Ben Carson already put the opportunity zones inside of these cities. He already did work uh, during that first term that made a tremendous difference and a tremendous impact on minorities in America. So I feel like if you start bringing him, like who's already earned the trust of his own community. And you bring him into that camp, you know, and, and you say, this is going to be my vice president. I feel like you bring, I think it, that tent gets a lot bigger. Yeah. Okay. But hey, I, I think that that's interesting because I, I would have thought that you were going to say something along the lines of a Carrie Lake or um, I haven't really given too much thought of it uh, myself, too. As you know, I'm a little bit more on the. I don't know how to say this, Dilly. I am just taking uh, inventory in my personal life and trying to keep track of my friends. And I don't put too much. I don't put too much. I would love to see Trump go in there on a revenge tour and really just really start busting the place up, bold in the China China shop. When I voted for him in 2016, it was really about. I think we'll get some good judicial picks out of this. And if he can do anything. If he can right. just become a human monkey wrench to throw himself into the gears of this monster for four years, I'd be fine with that alone. I really have no uh, no lofty expectations about right. what what DC can become. I think it needs to ultimately, if we're ever going to be America again, be dismantled. So I um I, I right now I I, I I'm having fun. 
playing the game and the the match game and, and see where it all goes. Yeah. It, it will be a good year. Um, if there's, I can tell you that that is that what you said is absolutely on the table. Oh, okay. his attitude about it. His attitude is not the same as it was before. Wowie. Well, that oh. at least that is nice to hear. That really yeah. is nice to hear. There's a reason they're scared shitless, Frank. There's a reason they keep indicting him. Like, it ain't just the polls. It's his attitude about it. Like, all right, fine. I try to be a good guy. I tried to. Eat. He even tried to be graceful when he left. He was quiet for months, and they couldn't leave him alone. I think they should have left him alone. Will he? Will he start using? That's my. It's my last political question about this. Then yes. I want to ask you one more fun thing before we go. Yeah. Will he start using Twitter in 2024? Ooh, ooh, that's a good one. I think he will. Yeah. I mean, how do you not deploy? I think he will. You have to. Not only will do I think he will. I think it's going to be absolutely fucking raucous if he does. Can you imagine the first time an Elon retweet, quote tweet, DJT getting, <laughs> even whether it's on the same side or opposing, I'm here for that one. I'm, I'm telling you that that may be when the EMP starts. I, I, that may be when the EMP is dropped. Um, and they just try to turn the lights off for a couple of months. And, and uh, I think he's going to do it. I, you know what? Now that you asked that, I think he, I think he could. Um I guess it really depends, though, Frank, the effectiveness he's having right now. He lets the dirty work be done by the people that need to do the dirty work, and that's what we do. That's really what the, the Daily Meme team does, but we also do a lot of the a lot of the stuff he posts on True Social, a lot of those that uplifting videos. I think he, he loves the production. He, he loves memes. I can't tell you he loves memes, dude, like loves them. Well, like, the, the messages they convey are simple, and you don't need yeah. a wall of text, and uh, th that is, you know, that's something that it appreciates I, the music too. And I think the, like we, we do a lot of stuff that's obviously, you know, culturally um, easily identifiable. He loves that. He just loves the rep, the music references, the movie references. He, he digs all that stuff. Okay. Well, listen, I have one last question for you. And this is very yes. important. We've been discussing this for about a week and a half now. Uh, how many third graders can you take on at once? If they were, if you were, you know, you were faced with a rabid, group of third graders they're coming at these are you. like normal third graders they're not like normal zombie, little zombie bastards they're not they're not jacked up on anything they're not you know genetically modified they're normal uh average third graders but obviously okay. there's a limit to everything so uh how how many can you take on if they're coming at you okay so here's the thing and there's only one caveat i'm gonna give you because i'm gonna tell you right now the third graders in baltimore are not the same third graders in like Provo, Utah. Okay. So like, where are these third graders from? Uh, you know what? This is a question. You're very, very insightful, and you're very. You know, a lot of people have asked this very same thing. Uh, you know, where are we talking from? Is it is it inner city or is it rural? Is it some sub suburb? I right. don't know. Can we cut the difference? Can we go right down the middle? Let's let's go average across the board. So you're saying they're like from like Arlington, Texas? They're like not Dallas, yeah, but they're not like rural, right? It's like Arlington, Texas kids. Yeah, that'd be good. It's like a nice little mix. Yeah, that, yes, we can do that. Is that like Staten Island? Is that like Staten Island for you? Like, I don't know that. I don't know your area. Is that like, what would that be the equivalent no, of like, not, not New York City, but like, not also like country ass kids? You see, there's a difference between Brooklyn and the Bronx and of course, Westchester. All right. Big difference. Okay. And I'm from, I'm from Westchester. So there's okay. a very big difference there. So that that's that's a night and day fighting spirit. Uh, not not totally disconnected from each other. It's only 20 miles, but sometimes 20 miles makes all the difference. And yes. um, I I don't know. Just let's 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 split it down the middle. 
And let's okay. just say the average. Now the average. Okay. All right. And I'm like, I'm assuming I'm well rested. You're well rested. You are not. You have. There's no I'm in weapons. Great shape. I'm feeling good. There's no weapons involved. Nobody has okay. weapons. Okay. So, and then the objective is what? They're like trying to fight me. They're trying to fight you. They they do. They want to get you. Your whole point is you're not killing them or anything like that. But you want to BTFO them. I'm laying them out. Yeah. You they ha you have to you have to you have to send a clear message. Get the hell out of here. Um. And if you can tell me how you're going about this, like how how mm. are you are you. You know what? What was what would your method be of taking out the okay. most? Well, the first of all, you got to find a corner. Okay, you need a wall behind you because they get around your ankles. You're toppling over, then you're screwed. You're on the ground. You're done. Okay, you don't want to get into a ground thing with these third graders because that's their world. They're already close to the ground. Yeah, right. They got way more experience down there than you do. So you got to find a wall. Like right away, you're backing into a corner. You get me into a corner. And now it's just because now I've mitigated. See, I'm, I'm using the the 300 approach, right? I'm funneling them into an area where it's two and three at a time, right? So I pick my corner and your, your numbers now have been diminished. And now I'm throwing hands at two or three third graders at a time. Bro, I'm knocking out like 150, 200 <laughs> kids easily, like easily before I even break a sweat. Because I'm not even throwing, if I'm even throwing 50%, I'm dropping little bastards. And then the thing is, I'm stacking bodies too, dude, and I'm in a corner. They're not even gonna be able to get to me after about eighty of them, right? Like, where are they gonna go? Right, right. You can actually use them as like sandbags after a oh, while. Yeah, I'm using like a human shield. I'm grabbing <laughs> that first unconscious child and just, I'm like, I might be hitting them other kids with that kid. I'm definitely fending them off okay. though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Maybe yeah. get the hold of the ponytail, kind of like a shield, and I'm just taking. And I'm laying, you know what I'm saying? Like doing one of these numbers. I think after the first hundred, all the others are going to be like, okay, he's for real. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. I'm going to go with like 155 or 100 and 155 is my okay, number. There you go. And I don't want to be a guy that comes in here and says 2000 or something like, cause you're going to get tired. That's a lot of punches to throw. Right. My buddy said 2000. So I, and yeah, I, see, I'm reasonable. I'm, I'm 41 years old now, Frank. I'm an old guy. Like I'm not. I'm not doing 2,000 of anything, okay? <laughs> I know. I know. You see, it, it, hey, you know what? Again, the scoreboard. You've got a scoreboard, and we now yes. we, have, we have a couple couple hundred more <laughs> points up on the board. Uh, Brendan, what is coming up? You have the, the, your daily show. Let everybody know where yes. they can find you on a daily basis, and then, uh, I, of course, I thank you for the time tonight. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, easiest way to find me is go to dillyshow.com. Uh, I've got all the links to the different places that we broadcast. If you're on Twitter, everybody calls it X. I refuse. Uh, it's my handles warlord dilly uh, d-i-l-l-e-y um, and obviously we broadcast on x twitter every day uh, if you need merch we got all kinds of fun stuff going on right now dilly meme team merch if you're familiar with what we do um, but yeah I'm just doing the show right now I'm having a good time uh, uh, hopefully December is going to be a little bit quiet for me I had a bunch of stuff that I got invited to that I didn't want to do I was like no because I've been traveling a lot in November and then my family and I are going on vacation uh, just before Christmas so I'm like ah, I'm kind of good I need to I need to circle the wagons on what I've got going on before 2024 because I know it's gonna be chaotic. But uh, DillyShow.com pretty much has links to everything. Well, I hope that you have a good time with those wagons circled, my friend, and enjoy the holidays. And we'll be in touch. And thanks for the time tonight. Absolutely, thank you, Frank. Dude, I, I missed you, bro. I'm glad to have uh, been able to come back and do this tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's been a while. It's great great to catch up. And and of course, you got a friend over here, so I'll talk to you soon. Absolutely, man. Take it easy. Take care. There you go. There goes Brendan. There goes Dilly. There goes Brendan Dilly. Oh, man. What a night.
What a night. Life's a very funny proposition after all. We will be right back. Don't go anywhere. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared of losing their job. The dollar buys a nickel's worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's nobody anywhere who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. We sit watching our TVs while some local newscaster tells us that today we had 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. It's like everything everywhere is going crazy, so we don't go out anymore. We sit in the house, and slowly the world we're living in is getting smaller, and all we say is, please, at least leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel-belted radios, and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to write. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do about the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. So, I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! I want you to get up right now. Get up, go to your windows, open them, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change. How many stations does this go out I know it goes to Louisville and Atlanta. We're not going to take this anymore. Then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get up out of your chairs, open the window, stick your head out and yell, and say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Who are you talking are they yelling in Atlanta, Ted? But first, you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. They're yelling in Baton Rouge. God damn it. Get up, get up, get up out of your chair. Son of a bitch! We struck the mother load. Stick your head out of the window, open it, and stick your head out and keep yelling and yell, I'm as mad as hell. I'm not going to take this anymore. Just get up from your chairs right now. Go to Where the window. Where are you going? I want to see if anybody's yelling. Open it and stick your head out and yell and keep yelling. I'm, I'm mad as hell. How am I going to take this anymore? I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore.
right. I'm going to get into your super chats now, and I'm going to open up the lines because I want to hear what people out there are saying and thinking. How's it all going for you? 914, the general line is open tonight. That'll be good enough. 914-200-0269. It's been a little while since we've been able to take calls, and we have 19 minutes. So I'd like to fill them with some of your voices. And that counts for the Super Chats as well, so we're going to get into those. First one up, quite frankly, superchat.com. Jay Britt says, hey, Frank, if you would be so kind, ask Dilly his views on the Q movement for or against. Thanks. And then I think three emojis crying from laughter. Well, I think he already um, gave you a little bit of something to chew on with that. Over on pilled.net, quite frankly.tv, Foxhole, all together. This is the wonderful uh, economic driver in the chat room for the network. Maven says, cheers, Pilled fam. That Maven works with over there at Pilled. Thank you so much, Maven. C. Blanche, hello. Sean Joe, Reggie V. Witchy Poo says, thanks to whoever made the meme of Mark Swan so we can enjoy him all year long. Mez says, I wish Dilly was on Foxhole. That would be nice. Donna Bolibby. Thank you. Jay Sim, what's up? Matt1776 says, love seeing Dilly on the show tonight. He's so right. That's Matt1776. That is one of the head honchos over there at pill.net. So a tip of the cap from the boss to, uh, to Dilly. C. Blanche says, Dilly, don't fuck around. Amen. Dilly 300. Just Jim says, good to see you two together again. C. Blanche says, awesome show, two of the best. Captain, uh, Captain Flint, thank you. Fire show, let's go. There's 1776 Matt once again. Just Jim, thank you. With a uh, bunch of gold pills. And 3333 is the message. What does that mean? Is that just a sign of the Trinity or? I forget. I don't know. Four threes? I know three threes. C. Blanche, Sean Joe, Witchy Poo, Cookie Fight. Now here comes everybody. Just Jim throwing cookies at each other. Chai Possum, thank you. Uh, Witchy Poo says, let's get Frank to 10K tonight. 10K gold pills. Wow. And it's not, that doesn't mean $10,000, everybody. Gold pills are actually, it's, it's a very low exchange rate. That's exactly the reason why it's so it's so fun to throw them around. After a while, they all accumulate, but it's a lot of fun. And um, and it goes, uh, it goes to help truly independence. That's a big thing right now. Uh, Donna Bolibby, thank you again. And more, more. What do we have here? Joe M says, God is all we need. You know, I got to say, last night I fi- I got I finished the third season of The Chosen last night. I've been watching that. I think I mentioned it in the past. I've been watching that on the uh on the down low just getting through it because I wanted to talk about it in its entirety and I'm so excited that I'm on I'm I'm all caught up now because I know that season 4 is coming out soon. And then there's probably going to be a conclusive season five after that. But this season four is probably going to move the, the the timeline up to and maybe even including the crucifixion. 
But I gotta say, it has been a really awesome viewing experience. And uh, one night I'd love to go into depth with it because I didn't understand what the, the Chosen actually meant. And now I know that it's, you know, it's, it's, it's the Apostles. And the point of view you get of being an Apostle of Jesus during this time where he's establishing himself and he's starting to, you know, with the miracles and then, of course, with the ministry sending the apostles out all across the, uh, the, the region to start spreading, spreading the good word and, and everything else. It is, uh, you never look at it from the standpoint of being a part of a ideological movement, a spiritual movement that has very, very political overtones and undertones because you're dealing with governments, you're dealing with uh, governing bodies of the, the dominant religion in the area, and the anxiety that comes along with becoming, in the eyes of the established authority, renegades. It is nerve-wracking. And I really, I love the casting, and I love the writing, and I, it's been really amazing. And more often than not every episode there's a point at least a couple of points where you just where I at least I'm just overwhelmed with with just a sense of peace and joy and uh, it's very emotional it's really really awesome I've had a good time watching it and I'm looking forward to season four um so there you have that witchy poo says hit that red pill on the way in please yes you hit the red pill and if you're watching on Rumble and Rockfin and BitChute afterwards, please give it a like as well and share it around. This is, um, it all contributes to the, 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 the end result, which is we want to build the biggest, greatest, most mobile audience there is. Maggie's T says, hiya, Frank, and hiya, Dilly, my dear Franklies. Man, oh man, there's more. Thanks for everyone helping us get to Frank over 10K. Major Adam says, radio silence. Sean Joe, thank you so much. There's a, so many here. The Sentinel said, I like Dilly's pick for VP and his reason. We all need a dose of 110% possibility for uh, uh, positivity for the win. I agree with you on that one. And remember, you can call in 914-200-0269. Oh, wait a second. This thing is spinning like a pinwheel. I wonder if everybody is unable to get through. Ah, who knows? Paulie9363 says, killing it, Frank. Thank you, Paulie. Ricky Bobby, thank you. The vibes are great, says Matt1776. And uh, another one from Ricky Bobby. I skipped over a lot of duplicates because there's a lot of names here, and I love you all. And thank you guys and gals for gifting each other subscriptions and all that. It's been wonderful to see the extra people showing up for the Sunday streams because now so many extra people have access. All right. All right. What do you think? Other than that, there's plenty of other things that we can get around to, and we will over the course of the next couple of uh, the next couple of days. Elon Musk tipping his cap to Pizzagate. We got to talk about that, and um, Liz Crokin a little bit more on the Pizzagate and Seth Rich link. I um, I really want to get around. I don't want to jam that into the last 12 minutes, so I w would much rather have you all call in and 
Just open lines. You can comment on literally anything at this point. 914-200-0269. I think I'm going to have to restart this because it's should be getting mobbed by calls at this point. More Super Chats coming in from, quite frankly, superchat.com. Car Guys New England says, hey, Frank, I hope all is well. Much love. My wife, Shayla, loves your coffee. Shayla, I'm with you. I'm with you, darling. I talked to Paige at um, at Coffee Revolution today because she was saying, wow, a lot of people really like the Cyber Monday deal. With the Cyber Monday deal, I said, how can we, you know, I think that there's like a, a 13% margin of profit for the show. And I said, get rid of, get rid of all, all those bags of coffee that were sold on Monday. I didn't, I didn't get one cent from any of that stuff. I said, take 13% off, forget about the show's cut and send a couple extra, uh, you know, the, the, the chocolate covered espresso beans, because I know if anybody says, oh, I'll take the 13% off and they just try the coffee, they're going to come back eventually and say, I want to have another bag of that. It's, it's good. Lauren and I had to taste test a lot of coffee. We had a lot of a lot of things going on. A lot of palate sensations there. And we're so happy to have settled on this that we're not getting rid of it. We may do like special edition blends and roasts and all that, but I said, Paige, please preserve this because I love it. And so does Shayla. Ray, Ray from NJ. It's been a long time since I've heard from Ray. Really good show, Frank. Tip of the cap to Ed Sullivan. Great interview by two pros. Thank you. Tip of the cap to Ed Sullivan. My gosh. Well, funny you say that because I want to go in that direction a little bit more in the future. And we will. You'll see. Oh, Shala. Shala, not Shayla. I just got uh, corrected. I'm so sorry. Shala. I'm sorry. Beautiful name. It's actually a lot better than Shayla. Now I'm going to get emails from the Shaylas in the in the in the audience. How dare you? I've been watching you for years, you son of a bitch. <laughs> uh Stube. Says great Wednesday night guest. Awesome listen. Thank you, Frank. Thank you all so much. Uh let's take a call. Hello. I just restarted the Zoom and we got somebody in already. Who's this? Chris in the Berkshire. Hey, Chris. Welcome back. How you been? Good to see you. Awesome. Things are good. How are things on your end? Oh, not bad. Not bad at all. Uh, are you? Are, am I on speakerphone or some kind of a Bluetooth device? You're on speaker, but I got this bullshit case on it, and it sucks. Let me see if I can do it real quick. Yeah. Let's see. Is this any better? Uh, I don't know. A little bit better. Either way, go right ahead. We can make a do. Yeah, right, cool. Um, first and foremost, it's awesome to see you, Billy, again. I haven't seen you two together since I believe his last time on Taking It Back. Um, you guys were always hysterical together. You know, it, it was super cool to see. And, you know, I, I think his, his something for him is, is he always comes he comes from a different mindset. You know, it's, it's good to see someone who's, who's, whose mindset is just, fuck you, this is what I think. Oh, yeah, and yeah. For, for Adam, yeah. You did- know, they're... they're Wherever wherever Dilly and I have been able to uh, uh, to to do some shows together, whether we were doing Taking It Back or it, the last time he was on this show, which was three years ago, uh, it's one of those things yeah. where uh, a lot of times I just have to 
I just have to be, uh, sit back and and uh, I don't know, wait wait for my chance to interject something a little bit lighter because you know Dilly's going to be the bulldozer, and it's just that's just that's his brand. It's his brand. He, he, I, he just tossed the log on the fire and sit back and stay warm, you know? Like, yes. That's, that's uh, you know. But, you know, he's, he's, he's the crazy thing is, is he's not wrong. He's got the receipts, you know? He is arguably has one of the best meme producers or production of memes that goes out there. And they're nine times out of ten, they're freaking hysterical. And, and you know, it's, like I said, it was great to see him come, you know, you two back together. And there was a part of me that was just sitting there going, please, Adol, call in. Please, Adol, call in. Please, Adol, call in. Just to see it again, just to, just to see the three of you guys together. But, I get you know, it. Was, it, you know, it, it was, you know, it is what it is. But either way, it was, uh, you know, it's cool that he, he's unapologetic. He's, he's very upfront and, you know, Either than that, you know, I, I, I know I reached out to an email, but I'm not going to talk about that right now. So either way, don't don't, don't sweat it. Um, but other than that, you know, it was great to see you guys together again. And it's, you know, well, it's thank you. More than enjoyable. More than enjoyable. I'm glad that you enjoyed it, Chris, and thank you for the call. It's it's nice to have a little company here in the last the waning minutes of the show. You know, I, I'll, you know, you don't want you're gonna have to kick me off if you have to. You know, you know, I'll sit here and chat all night. Well, I mean, hey, I, I, I only got a couple more minutes left, and I mean, there's nobody else calling. But what I will say is, what I will say is that um, I, I do miss those shows, and thanks for the call. I I do miss those shows that we did on every uh, every Thursday. We could pencil it in at four o'clock. Um, it was a nice mix, nice mix, and maybe one day we all get to be. Uh, collaborative again, but you know everybody's busy. Everybody's got their own thing going on, and you just don't, you know. Like Dilly said, there is a flow. There is a flow to this river, and every once in a while, you drift apart from all the other people in your group when you're on that that lazy river at the water park when you're floating around in the river of pee. Every once in a while, your little group of uh, you know floaties just kind of drift apart. And then sometimes you come back and you're like, hey, I remember you. You lapped me. Whatever. That's life. The real point here is burning bridges. Are bridges burned? That's what your, uh, that's the bigger thing. Because life will take you places. Sometimes you're, you're doing something for so long and all of a sudden you're not. It doesn't matter what we're talking about. Uh, 914-200-0269. You can be the last caller of the night. I'm just making sure that I stay on top of everything else. Really, really great viewership all across the board tonight. And I, um, I think we might have pushed the needle, especially on quite frankly, TV and foxhole and pilled. I think we might've really pushed the needle and welcome to all the new, the new viewers. That's what I say. All right. Is that it? Oh, Adalus. Thank you, Adalus. Thank you, Bella214. Thank you to a few other people who are just hopping on with their cookies and shades over there inside the chat room. But here's what we got going on tomorrow. Tomorrow night, I'm going to introduce you to a really, really lovely lady that I got to hang out with at Jay Gulinello's health retreat in Vermont. Her name, her name, ladies and gentlemen, is Barbara Yates, okay? Now, what are we going to talk about tomorrow? Me and Barbara. That is, uh, that's going to be something that all the ladies out there are really going to love. Because whereas we talk, we dump a lot on feminism, and I believe feminism is, there's no redeeming qualities to it. 
I really do believe that. I think that uh, we can we can do away with all of the feminist nonsense. We can just talk about real world application. How a man, how a woman, how a woman inside of a man's world, uh, especially the corporate world, how a person can represent their interests effectively regardless of who they are, where they come from, especially if they've got the goods, if they've got the skills and they can they can go out there. And this is where the whole thing. Barbara Yates is a woman who has helped other women represent their own interests and be a good uh, collective bargaining agency for themselves when trying to establish themselves professionally and, and elsewhere. And uh, she takes exception with a lot of the what we call the women's empowerment and feminist movements today, that it is all mainly red herrings and, and uh, gives really, really good action, constructive action on your own behalf, a bad name. So that's going to be really great to uh, explore with Barbara tomorrow. I, uh, I miss talking to her, and I'm sure that uh, you'll all really enjoy her as well. She is, uh, you can see her, all of her work on womanoovers.com. Okay, like maneuvers, but womanoeuvers.com. And tomorrow at 2.30 uh, p.m. in the east uh, in the afternoon, I'll be on with Charlie Robinson for a half hour. I'll try to get the links out there on the Telegram and in the Gilded and on the Twitter. And then at 4 o'clock, I've got Taking It Back with Adel and Zach. So 2.30 to 3, 4 to 5, and then 7 to 9, Barbara Yates. And at the end of all that, I don't care how late it is. I'm having a steak. I'm having a steak. That's a lot of talking. And before then, a lot of work leading up to a lot of talking. So uh, in the meantime, ladies and gents, thank you so much. I, uh, I really would love to invite you to, quite frankly, TV. Take a look at the Sponsor Us section and become a sponsor on either Patreon or Subscribestar, especially if you want to become a pen pal or if you want to get in on the Postcard Club or anything else like that. Those specialty tiers are on Patreon and Subscribestar still. Uh, and then you can go right through, quite frankly, TV or through Foxhole in the, uh, in the chat room to become a monthly sponsor. That's how we know we can budget for what the future is going to bring us and um, there's a lot of cool things about to get rolled out starting in December. So I, I'm really happy that you guys are all here, and I want to hold on to you. That's why we're doing all these, uh, these experiments with our, with our streaming at home, on our home website, and on Foxhole, because we're going into the fog, and I want to make sure that we don't lose touch. All right. That's all. Good night, everybody, and I will talk to you tomorrow. I'll catch you on the flip side. Quite frankly, it's filmed before a live studio audience. And now, our super chatters, starting with Car Guys New England. And, of course, Car Guys wife, Shala. Radar NJ, thank you, Ray. Stostube, Jay Brits. You guys are all fantastic. And you know what? Last night, Revolution said, this is how Cats reminds me, how I really am. And I only realized it until after the show that Rev was, uh, was making a Nickelback reference there. Sorry, I'm a little slow there, Rev. I will, t- I will see you guys on the other side of tomorrow. No, on the other side of tonight. Good night.
I'm gonna come. Do not come. Do not come. Oh.